episode of Beyond Queer Stories. Today our guest is Patrick. Patrick was born in Georgia but was adopted as a baby by a family who raised him in Massachusetts. Growing up, he identified as straight but always felt different from the other boys. He liked Project Runway, secretly dancing in his basement to So You Think You Can Dance, painting his toenails so no one would see, and looking at pictures of dudes in tuxedos. He went to college for structural engineering and worked as an oil field worker and then design engineer after he graduated. He has lost many jobs because nothing truly fulfilled him, so he decided to devote his life to teaching. He currently teaches 7th and 8th grade math on the west side of Chicago and performs storytelling, drag, and music throughout the city. He is currently the most fulfilled he has ever been. Welcome! Welcome. Hello! Thank you. (laughs) Alright, so to kick us off, can you tell us what identities do you feel most influence your experiences? I think I like throughout my life I'd like always gone back and forth between all these different identities and at this point in my life I just like saying queer because mm-hmm. I think it like covers everything like I feel like not one identity like matches me and I've like I, I even think during the questionnaire I answer differently mm-hmm. but I think I'm just going to stick with queer from now on like okay. I used to say bisexual um, you know all these other things but yeah I'm settling with queer because I'm tired of thinking about it. That's good. <laughs> Sounds good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel that influences kind of your experiences like day to day or in certain areas of your life? I think especially like as a as a teacher, it it's interesting like cuz I'm trying to advocate for my students, I'm trying to not take things personally necessarily and be very objective about things. Mm-hmm. So for students who like literally say things like I hate gay people, like how can I talk with them in a way that doesn't seem like I'm just being offended and I'm being like factual and like explaining things in a logical way because that's the best way to get to students and is and is not necessarily through like emotion all the time it's sometimes through like logic and like mm-hmm. thinking in the dating world it's interesting because I I romantically lean heavily towards women and then sexually is like a mix match mm-hmm between them and so like I've gone back and forth throughout my life. Am I straight, just open-minded, am I bicurious, am I bisexual? And so now it's like I'd rather just say queer. If people who don't aren't familiar with queer, I, do, I will say bisexual because it makes it more accessible to them sometimes. But yeah, it just, it's interesting. But I've worked like in like really heteronormative fields like the oil field, so that, that was an interesting journey. So like oil field meaning? I was like in the oil field like at the at the wells, oil? huh? Like, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> like sunflower oil? Like no, like oil? like oil, like oil and gas. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Legit yeah. in the oil field. I was literally in the oil field, like getting oil from the ground onto on me. Oh wow! Like yeah, I had to like learn how to escape from a helicopter. Oh. So it was like a fake helicopter. They put it in water. A fake one. Yeah, because it was in a pool. We have to, if we went offshore, we'd have to like if a if our helicopter crashed, we'd have to like try to not die. Yeah. So <laughs> we, I had to go to this like place in Louisiana where we, it was like a fake helicopter. They would put it into a pool. Uh-huh. You'd be strapped in. They'd flip it over, and then you'd have to escape from it. Did they time you? 
or just like however long it takes I don't think so. Out. Yeah, they, they make sure we don't die, but there's one point where a dude, this is kind of off topic, I guess. There's no, one, one dude who like, we all got out and all, we're all like waiting by the pool chilling and all of a sudden it comes up and the guy's just standing in the middle going, like looking back and forth. I died. <laughs> looking back and forth because he like didn't get out, but he like was like just stuck in the oh, in this no. fake helicopter. He was fine, but it was just like really funny because he was so confused. Oh, wow. Wow. That yeah. sounds kind of terrifying. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was fun though because okay. they taught us well. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> and there's people there to like get us if we didn't get out. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever like use that experience? No, because I got laid off because <laughs> because the oil prices went down. So oh. I like. Oh yeah. But that was like a really fun job okay, like just cool. being with all these like crazy like hyper masculine people doing all this crazy <laughs> stuff they were getting drunk a lot meeting all these strangers out like I was gone two weeks at a time it was oh, wow. it was fun huh. and then I was in the office after that and just it was very like it was like a bunch of old white men and a few younger people and it was just like really I felt like so confined I felt like I couldn't really be myself there mm -hmm. um, but luckily my roommate which connects to my story my roommate from the from that job was a lesbian and she was out and so like living with like a lesbian and her partner was like really comforting mm -hmm. so that really helped me open up like when I was living out here mm -hmm. um, so I think I lucked out with like the people who came into my life whether it was fate or whatever like I've, I always ended up finding the right people because I never really felt like I fit in like the like one place or the other necessarily cool. so what brought you to Chicago so after I got laid off from the oil field I reached out to a company who was recruiting me for the design position so I was like I moved out here for that oh. into the suburbs I lived in Naperville which was like not my favorite place in the world. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different. And then I was just fired from that job. It wasn't like a layoff. Oh, okay. I just wasn't good. <laughs> I think they, they saw I was miserable there, and they were just like, we'll let, we'll let you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I decided to be a teacher. Okay. Very cool. How did you end up getting into teaching? I feel like the best part of like any job was like when I got to work with kids for like engineering week, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I always loved working with kids. Like anytime I did, I was like, that's, I need to do that. Like, adults drive me crazy. <laughs> I can't do this bureaucratic stuff very well. And so being, like, in a classroom with kids all day just felt like it was, like, what was, like, meant to be for me. So I applied to uh, the teaching program I was in, got in, and now, now we're here. Very cool. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so what was it like working with, especially, like, hyper-masculine adults all day? Yeah, I basically adapted. Like, I didn't, like... <laughs> Like, I wasn't, like, not myself, but I also, like, strategic, I guess. Like, I mm -hmm. like I was able to, like, hang out with them and have a good time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not the most masculine, but I, I'm also, like, pretty passing, I guess, at yeah. times. Um, except for when I'm dancing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of was able to, like, read how they, they didn't trust me because I was, like, a new random guy in there. And so I had to, like, earn their respect. And so... I needed to like since I was going to work there. I needed to like show them that I like could do the same things they could do. Mm -hmm. So like I I learned all the stuff they could do really quickly because they get a lot of people from like with degrees or whatever that show up. They worked 13 years to get where they're at, and we just show up and like start in that position. So they like mm -hmm. automatically don't like us. Mm -hmm. So I have to go in and like show them I'm just I'm, I like deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like earning my place, like just from a working standpoint. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to do that and like build pretty, really great relationships with some of the people there. Cool. Do you still have those relationships? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just no. Yeah. Okay. 
because that makes me think about (laughs) it makes me think about like the list that's in your bio of like all the things you liked when you were a little like Uh you know like practicing the dances and painting Uh your toenails and it makes me wonder like were you ever hanging out in that like hyper masculine environment thinking like if only they actually do like these (laughs) things that I really I did think about that (laughs) but I also which is really important during that time I got a week off every two weeks Mm -hmm. so I'd go to Austin Texas where my friend from college lived and that's Mm -hmm. where I like discovered my sexuality Mm -hmm. was like through that living in Austin Texas before the oil field job started and then like going there Mm -hmm. as my like respite from like the Louis, the like oil field work to like being mm-hmm. free and like going to gay bars and exploring all that. So okay. yeah, I think I was able to like survive and feel like fulfilled like with my identity because I was able to go to Texas in Austin, mm-hmm. Texas and explore that with like like only people I hung out with in Texas were like gay people mm-hmm. and queer people. So they really opened my mind and were able to help me feel more comfortable because initially I was like first time they brought me to a gay bar, I was like nervous, like I was homophobic. I was like I don't know how to feel, but it was because of, like, the underlying issues I had with, like, my own identity. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it was suppressed, and I was able to, that's how I was able to navigate, like, different kind of, some different modes. Cool. So did you live in Austin, or did you just, like, visit Austin? So before my oil field job started, I lived there for, like, a month or so, because I had, like, a summer before my job started. So I was like, I can't live in Massachusetts for this whole summer. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I signed up to live at a, a dog rescue so I was like living in the living room of this dog rescue with like dogs peeing on me in the morning with like in this small house. It was oh, it was no. weird. What? It was so weird. Okay. And wow. so I was living there, but luckily my friend Just um, J- Justin, my friend, whatever, I'll call him Justin for this story. <laughs> my friend Justin <laughs> lived in Austin, so I would hang out with him a lot, and ended up leaving the that job early because it was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't feel right, mm-hmm. so he took me in as his. Uh, his mentee, his queer mentee. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And that, that was when I like, had developed my first like, actual crush on a dude, mm-hmm. this, this French dude, which was going to be my original story. But okay. people can go see me in storytelling to hear that one. Yes. <laughs> Come hear all the other yeah. stories you know to tell. Yeah. So that person was your first crush. Mm-hmm. What was that like, like, kind of like noticing that? And like, did you have that conversation with that person? Yeah, so basically, like, I saw this dude, like, person turn the corner, and I was like, oh, like, immediately attracted to mm-hmm. him, like, I don't know what it was, and then he turned out to be, like, my friend's friend to come hang out with us, so it was kind of oh. like that initial, like, oh, like, interest, uh-huh. Yeah. and then, like, as he came over, I was excited, and I was like, oh, well, I guess that's that. <laughs> like I'm attracted to this guy. And, yeah, and we're gonna hang out. And tonight. I like didn't. Yeah, and like we talked a lot. We had a lot of things in common. We both like dancing. Like, and I was like, oh my god, what, how crazy! And like we're <laughs> dancing. Else likes dancing. Yeah, and, and like and we were dancing. And there's this like really cute girl who would, normally would have been my type who came up to me. But I was like, I really want to dance with this guy. And he was trying to like be my wingman. And I was like, no, I want you to be my man. <laughs> but yeah, it was great, and it's a very fond memory. He, he's like a French PhD student. Oh, Ooh, stop. Yeah, right? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I know, it was awesome. And so he kind of kick-started this, like, journey of just opening my mind and being more, like, wel- like welcoming of different feelings mm-hmm. towards different kinds of people without, like, suppressing or feeling guilty about it. Because it was a good time. Nice. <laughs> did he know? Like, did you, like, was he aware of this crush that you had? Oh, he became aware. I ah. <laughs> yeah, he developed. A, yeah, he also had a crush on me. It was great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. That 
moment of like when you said like the woman like was trying to talk to you and you were like, no, it reminds me mm-hmm. when um, I was in my master's program almost all of us were queer, which was really, really just like statistically odd. That's great. Um, But one of us was not out at all. Mm -hmm. And she had told me, but didn't tell like the other person in our friend group. And so we were like trying to drop hints because she actually liked her, but she thought she was straight. So she was like, Dawn, why do you keep taking her to all these gay bars? Like take her to a straight bar. Like you need to like (laughs) go to her places too. And we'd be like, oh, she really, really wants to go there. Oh my God. And eventually (laughs) she figured it out because we like kind of set her up one day. Uh We're like, we were all hanging out and then I dipped out. Mm -hmm. And that was the night they had their first kiss and now they're married and trying to have a baby. Oh my God, that's so cute. (laughs) And it's so great. I would love to have them on to tell that story. It gave me hope. I love it. It was amazing. (laughs) Because we had to like convince her like, well, she's actually not thinking she's straight anymore. So Yeah, without like outing her. Right, without outing her. Which is weird because she wants this person she's interested in this person but doesn't want them to know that she's a possible possible person to be interested in them. Yeah, but she did at the same time. And it was like I feel like that's the struggle. to be weird because we were in school together. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, was really – but it worked out. Like, we're it. like, let's just let's figure out a way <laughs> to test the waters. And it worked. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was very similar. <laughs> I was like – like, literally in a gay bar. Like, I'm in a gay bar and I'm worried people are going to think I'm gay. Like, like, come on. That's the best place to be mm-hmm. gay. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah, when you pass like, in a gay bar. I just remember the first night me and him kissed. Like, I, like, had to prove my, like, heterosexual – it was – Looking back, it's so dumb. It's so dumb, but it's also really funny. So it's, I'm, I have the story. That's great. Yeah. I want to hear more of the story now. I know. Sorry. It's fine. It's okay. I know. I was torn. I'll go to your storytelling. I know. Maybe I should tell the yes. story. Yes. Yeah, because at the end, you'll have to plug all of that, and then we'll just come yeah. see you tell more stories. Perfect. That's a good... Yeah, I need to leave cliffhangers. I can't yes. let it all out on the I'm table. I'm already hanging out the edge. Yeah. That's a good point. French PhD? What? Right? <laughs> I know. It's really like an indie, it's like an indie movie waiting to happen. Like, I already awesome. know why. Like, as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, I'd fall in love with him, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. When I'll get drunk, I'll just show random people his picture. So just look at him. <laughs> like, look, this is it. This, <laughs> this is why I'm here. This is where I am. <laughs> this is a big transition moment. That's awesome. It's like you turn the corner and you just, like, see lights. It's like, oh. I know. Like, it's, it, was, it was like that. Like, I, I've never experienced something like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we were talking about stories so much. Why don't we hear your story you do have for us? Yes. I know. Sorry. (laughs) For people to come find you and hear the rest. Yeah, I feel like I was like torn between which one because I've told the other one so many times. I was like, I want to tell something that I don't tell as much Mm -hmm. and that might be a little different. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to hear that story, that comes before this one. Ooh, so you have to get the prequel. Like, yeah, it's like own. the prequel. Great. <laughs> After this Frenchman thing happened, I spent some time exploring. It was like pretty comfortable doing the Austin, Texas thing. And then I moved to Chicago, suburbs of Chicago, mm-hmm. in a whole new environment. Didn't really know anybody. But luckily, my, my, the person I ended up rooming with from the company was like a lesbian and an out lesbian who had a partner. So, so basically, well, it says three years ago, but I think now it's four years ago. <laughs> uh, my lesbian roommates brought me to my first pride parade. It was a big deal because this pride was my first time truly celebrating my newfound identity after being transformed into a bisexual by a French PhD student with the most seductively tired eyes I'd ever seen. It was one thing going to my first pride parade as a queer person, but on top of that, it was also my first time going out in public wearing shorts above the knee. 
So just like any good bisexual in Boys Town, I celebrated my new identity by drinking in the blazing heat. And once I was fully under the influence of alcohol and oppressive heat, I decided that it would be a perfect time to call my mom and come out to her. Without thinking, I went over to a dumpster by the 7-Eleven on Halstead. I could barely hear the phone ring over all the noise. And when she picked up, I yelled, I'm bisexual, and then immediately hung up. <laughs> After a few minutes, I noticed an email notification on my phone. It was from my mom and it was in response to my coming out. And she said things like, don't get HIV. I went through a phase two. I was confused once when I was younger. I had sexual dreams with women when I was younger. Well, mom, well, maybe you're bisexual is what I was thinking. But yeah, it's not me to decide. You have to choose at some point. She also said, you have to choose at some point or, or not, or someone's going to hurt you, or they're not, people aren't going to trust you if you say you're bisexual. So she basically said, like, everything you're not supposed to say when someone comes out to you if you read a book. Like, don't say these things. She said those things. <laughs> But it was all out of love, which is the hard thing to understand, for, which was hard for me to understand for a while. So I didn't talk to her for about three months. And even though we started talking again, her response like really messed me up for a while. Uh, I didn't come out publicly until a year later because coming out to my mom didn't go very well. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not ready. But and then the pulse attack happened. And so after that tragedy, I decided the best way for me to honor those lives lost was to come out and like live my truth publicly. Um, I didn't want like homophobia in our society to like keep me from being myself or like feeling comfortable with being who I am, uh, whether it'll change people's opinions of me or not. Um, so since coming out as bisexual, I've found like such an amazingly supportive queer community. Sh shows like this one, Sex Positive, have helped me love myself and be proud of my attraction to men with seductively tired eyes. My desire to expose my hair hairy knees in the summer and to strut around Chicago as a pink alien drag queen on the weekends. So I've done all these things. I became a drag queen. I've done like all these things to just like live my truth. And so I kind of thought I was like done coming out because I have like an amazing community. But on top of that, I decided to give myself a curveball and become a teacher. And so that kind of flipped that all on its head and made me realize like, you know, I was never really done coming out. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about how, how that felt and what happened there. So as part of my teaching program, I had two student teaching placements uh, where I was like just truly tested as a human being. Um, one was with an eighth grade math teacher, and there were a few students who were openly LGBTQ, which was really exciting. Um, and even though I was part of my identity outside of school, I was I got vibes from my teacher that they, he might not be as open, so I kind of like kept on the DL at the school there, just because I was like I want to just get through this program and be a teacher. You know, no matter what I need to do, I need to do that. So I kind of decided to keep my queer identity and my teacher identity separate. And so there's like a few, a couple students who I was open with, but that was really it. So and then in the spring, the, my second placement uh, was at a different school, which really challenged me as a teacher uh, and a queer person because the kids there were a little more intense. <laughs> um, so within just my first two weeks, there's like a group of eighth graders who are kind of acting weird around me. At one point, one of them said, Brandon hates gay people. And like I was kind of taken aback because like I hadn't heard someone like out like a kid outwardly just say something like that like just blatantly say they hate gay people, and I didn't want to disrupt the class and send them out because I was like you know they have to learn math because <laughs> that's what they're here for. Um, so I told them that they're being immature. I'm like you know you guys are being immature. You need to focus on your work. Like you know what no matter what he feels like focus on your work. You don't need to tell me that right now. And in the real world, when someone says something like that, you deal with it differently. But when you're in school, like. They're there to learn, so there's a time and a place. 
Then like as I walked away, a student said something like really disgusting that I don't want to repeat here. So I kind of I yelled at him to go to the office because I was like, we, can't, we don't have room for that in here right now. Um, and so the principal ended up coming up with the, the three students who were involved and had them apologize to me, which was like, at first was like, oh, that's so nice. Like he's like really being supportive. Um, and he was, but then I realized like he was assuming I was gay only because I cared about the issue. So that was like kind of an eye opener. I was like, oh, like people aren't vocal about this in schools. So no matter how progressive someone's mindset is, like they don't know how to address these issues because it's scary. Um, so that was, that kind of hit me at one point. And I remember during the apology, the principal said, we don't talk about that, meaning we don't talk about being gay basically is how I read it. And he meant well, but it kind of really bugged me. Uh, he was essentially outing me to the students by making them apologize to me as a consequence of their homophobia, even though like I never said to the principal what my identity was or anything. So after that, like one of these students would always say, oh, I'm straight, when I would ask him how he's doing. Then during like a, our small group, a student asked me like a really inappropriate sex-related question, which like I'm not sure if he was trying to be rude or if he was actually just curious because they're middle schoolers. <laughs> um, and over the next few months, I would hear students calling each other gay as a slur, calling girls dykes, saying that's gay, and all these other things that are just normal. Like kids say those things, but no one tells them what they mean. And so I thought I was doing my best to curve the, the hate speech and the homophobic language. And like sometimes I would pretend I wasn't offended, like to de-stigmatize de um, the words, be like, oh, okay, thank you, or you know, well, saying different, trying different things because like I didn't know what to do necessarily. Then one day we went to a, on a field trip to the Holocaust Museum, which was very fitting, and we learned about how the Nazis used certain words to dehumanize people who were different. We learned about how Jews, brown people, and LGBTQ people were imprisoned and killed for being different. So I thought this would be like, oh great, the kids will get it now, like they're on board, I'm sure they like get why those words are hurtful now. And then I, I realized I was wrong <laughs> on the bus back when a kid Talked, talking about the trip, said, that trip is so gay. This is so gay. And then, then another pair of students were calling each other faggot on the bus. And like I was like, I, I, haven't, I yelled so bad. I've never yelled so passionately in my life, because it was just like, after the Holocaust Museum, like, how can you do that? But looking back, now that I've had a full year of my own classroom, like, they just don't, like, they don't know. They don't really, truly understand what those words mean. You can say it's hurtful, but like until they truly understand, it's not gonna really affect, like impact them. I was like shaking, I was so frustrated. I was like angry and I wanted to do something, but I realized like I was failing my queer students by not being more vocal and doing more to try to curb the hate speech since like no one else seemed to know what to do. So when I got back to the school, I went to, straight to the office, like heated, very emotional, which is not a great state to go to a principal when you're a student teacher. <laughs> Uh, so I started explaining the situation, like pretty heated, and a parent actually came with me to advocate for me because he was frustrated too, which was like, felt so good. Like it was so lovely of him. And then, you know, I explained the situation and the principal said, now's not the time. He was like really taken aback and shocked and like n did not know how to handle something like that because that's like not something a principal wants to hear is that like things like that is happening. And so I went outside and I spoke with some teachers and I was like, said how I felt about how the principal reacted and they admitted like they felt we're failing our queer students and the principal actually came up to me later that day and sat down with me to talk to me and he basically started off by, with an apology saying that he was offended the first time I reached out to him about the hate speech because I sent him an email at one point 
he said he realized like he was offended because like I was a student teacher, but he was mostly because he knew I was right. And so he admitted like yeah like we're not doing enough, but like you know he's like we tried to do these things, we tried to teach gender inclusivity, but parents like backlashed and like blah blah blah. And I explained to him I'm like I'm not trying to change kids' minds necessarily, but what because that takes more work than just like a student teacher coming in or a principal talking to them, but like I want to let the queer students know that there's that things will get better and that like there's people out there that care about them and that they're not alone. Like I'm not here to change kids' minds necessarily because that's like too big of a feat to try to accomplish as like when you're trying to teach math by itself. And so he kind of he agreed to come with me to speak with the class about like what does dehumanize mean? Basically I explained to the students like, oh can someone raise their hand? What does dehumanize mean? And the kid answered like, oh it means like to make someone feel like they're less than human, blah blah blah. And I was like, yeah, exactly. So, and I explained, I came out, I told him I was queer. You know, he, the principal asked about LGBTQ. He was like really cool that the principal was like in there with me. Like, I, I thought that was awesome. And I, I explained to them, I'm like, so when you guys use gay as an insult or use like say the F word or these other words, like that's hurtful to me. And you're telling me, someone who loves you, that you don't think I should exist because I'm different. And it's like, I care about you guys and I love you guys, so to hear you guys say those things is hurtful to me. And um, after that, a student came up to me saying she appreciated me coming out to them and that she is bisexual, but her parents didn't know. And she also said that her friend, Shauna, that's her name, <laughs> for now, was pansexual, and that's why a lot of kids didn't want to work with them, was that this student was different and like people were like didn't want to work with this student. And I had noticed that and like, all these things started connecting. Like the student came out to me as bisexual, was missing a lot of school. Like all these statistics we learn on these posters and like, and in class, like they're real. Like they're actual. And it's it's weird that like it takes that real situation to like make you realize that. But it's like it's it's not just numbers. It's like real. So yeah, when the student came up to me, she was like smiling. She was so happy to see that like, like an adult person was queer. They've never had an openly queer student before, teacher before. And like even at my current school is the same way. Like students have never had like an openly queer teacher, and so it's like it's a journey for everyone. Student teaching experience ended there before the school year ended, so I left earlier, and I like gave them like a survey, like oh what did you think of Mr. Rabbit? What is something you would change? What's some advice? What's something you learned? Um, and so some of the things kids wrote was one student wrote probably don't come out to them. Unless you completely trust them, they can call you the most mean things and make fun of you for who you are. I've heard pretty bad things. But the important thing is that the same student also wrote this. It's nice to have uh, LGBTQ makes me more comfortable to have a teacher with the same community as I. Same student. You know, so that, that's what matters is the second thing. I don't, kids can call me whatever they want. I don't care. Whatever. Um, but it's not about, you know, it's not about me. It's about them. Uh, you know, another student wrote, it's okay. Uh, what is something you learned? It's okay to be different. It's okay to be who you are. Another student, it's okay to be different. And then one advice was just be yourself. Don't be afraid. You did really great. Just be yourself and don't let anyone tell you you're not perfect. Be yourself, be yourself. So my message got across, which is good to a lot of students. And then I made sure to go to their graduation. And the student who wrote, like, don't come out to them, but also I'm happy to have an LGBTQ teacher was in a circle, I was saying hi to the students, and the student said, oh, do you know my name? I was like, yeah, it's Shauna. And they go, no, it's Daniel. 
So the student ended up uh, coming out as, as trans after I left. And I'm like, oh my god. And I was like, I'm, well, I'm very proud of you. And it just, just speaking up and like using your words and being deliberate about how you approach things can really like, no matter what other people say, can really like make a difference. And I've never like felt like I've really made a difference until like, until that. And so it's like, it's been such a journey. And like now I'm at a new school this past year, I just finished my first year of teaching and you know, I'm, it's a different principal. It's a different, different teachers, different students. So I'm dealing with different things. I'm a lot better at it. There's like a, a lot of girls say, identify as bisexual now, so the future's queer. Don't worry, we're getting there. The girls are always ahead. <laughs> so I have like, an, you know, I'm dealing with different battles now, but I'm going to keep fighting. And so, yeah, it never ends, guys. <laughs> but it's worth it. It's worth standing up and doing the right thing. So I think that, yeah, I think that's the end of my story. Yay. Yeah. That was great. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Yeah, the first thing that pops into my mind is, um, did you come out this first year teaching? And if so, like, what was that decision for you? How did you choose to do that or not do that? Yeah, so basically I have, like, a, like if I'm going to represent, one, like, one group or be, like, inclusive, like, have to be, I want to be inclusive for all groups. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not about me, it's about my students. So I had a unity flag that has, like, different religions, different identities. I have a black power flag. Mm -hmm. I had, and the unity flag had like rainbow over it. Mm -hmm. And so I just had that. And so that was like a conversation starter. Cool. Um, I never like announced it, mm -hmm. but like if kids asked, I would be like, yeah, I'm queer, mm -hmm. you know? And then like, of course, word's gonna get around. Mm -hmm. But like, I didn't make it a big deal. I'm trying to make it seem like it's just a thing. And I'm like, oh, wait, why are you, why is it, you know? Mm -hmm. like just normalize it. Yeah, like kids said, Mr. Reb, you can't talk about that in school. I'm like, yeah, I can, mm -hmm. you know, just. <laughs> And just like being like really head fast about it. If kids like mm -hmm. like said the F word, like I'll call them out on it, mm -hmm. like explain it to the class, try to sit down with students like who said they hated gay people and be like, why do you hate gay people? Mm -hmm. You know, did they do something to you? Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's been interesting. Um, I'm trying to get the bigger the school as a whole, like I'm trying to convince the principal that like it's an issue that's worth like deliberate, like proactively dealing with. Um, so that's something I'm doing with now. I don't think the principal knows I'm queer, but my students do. My students know I'm a drag queen. I showed one of them my drag photo and like of course the word got around. Um, so the kids are like really, like I'm noticing throughout the year kids are becoming like desensitized to it. Like mm -hmm. one of the kids who would say he hates gay people, like I had, he wore like the rainbow skirt I bought he wore it for like a second or you know for I was like see you're fine like yeah <laughs> you didn't you know catch I mean? it you didn't catch it yeah, exactly so yeah. um I'm learning how to be effective because you could yeah be offended you can be mad but like that's not going to change change right. things like you have to be really deliberate about it and it's like it's hard mm -hmm. you know especially when I'm trying to focus on like the, the math I also want to deal with these other things especially since like not everyone else in the school really knows how to do that. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, I want to like try to bring training in or something, or like convince the you know principal to bring in training for us to like. Mm -hmm. But I need to collect data first. <laughs> so it's like all these different roadblocks that you don't think of, like outside yeah. of the teaching realm. Like I want data to support your claim. It's like, well, 
you know, it's obvious. <laughs> it's an issue everywhere. I'm yeah. not claiming our school's like worse right. than other schools. I mean, there's plenty of research about <laughs> yeah, <it's>, school <laughs> behaviors. Yeah. I know. I've sent yeah. some like passive aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you need? How yeah, many exactly. articles do you need before you? I need more letters. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's great. I love that work. So how do you end up having these conversations as a math teacher? Well, at the beginning, I mean, it's my first year, so I've, you know, I've made mistakes yeah. and I've done great things. But there's literally kids who are like, since they knew I didn't, I was upset, like frustrated or didn't, upset or thought, you know, F word was like an offensive word, they would say it more. Mm. And so like, they would like yell it in class or like whatever. And so I would address it then and there. Mm. You know, I would address it then and there, and I would address it in front of the whole class. Mm -hmm. Whether admin liked the way I dealt with it or not, like, it, I think it worked, and it was effective, you know. There's a kid who would, like, say things under their breath about me, and I said to him, I'm like, if you have something to say, you need to tell me so I know. Like, you tell me to my face, like, if you, have a, if you feel the need to tell it to other people, you need to tell me as well. Mm -hmm. And, then, you know, so he called me gay ass, you, su you suck dick, and he said all these things. And so I addressed that in front of the whole class, you know. And I said, like, if you have a problem with people's identities, like, that's your problem. Like, I'm very secure in who I am. Like, your words, like, don't imp impact me. You can say those words, but, like, that's a lot about who you are and a lot less about who I am. Mm -hmm. So I basically said something like that. Yeah, and then, but, and then students came up to me afterwards and were like, thank you, Mr. Rabbit, for, like, you know, for saying something. You're right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, but admin thought differently, didn't think I should have addressed it in front of the whole class. Mm -hmm. And so it's like making those decisions on the spot sometimes because you're not prepared. Yeah. But like me and that student end up having a fine relationship. And same with the students at the other school who are saying yeah. things like they learn those things. It's not in like it's not implicit in like who they are. Right. You know? So that's another thing to keep in mind is like people learn those things and it takes time to like unlearn mm -hmm. it. So have you ever had a parental like backlash from anything that you've like said to students? No, not yet. I mean, I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure. I mean, I've been told like, oh, Mr. Rabbi, you're, ta you're talking about these things too much in class. I'm like, well, then, like, then where is it going to be talked about? You know, it's like I need to address these things because students need to be made safe in our schools. There's laws for it. Like, I'm not just doing things because like. Right, yeah, I'm a snowflake or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm like doing it because it's like I'm trying to support our students. Mm -hmm. And so some people who may not be as open or whatever their case is mm -hmm. see it more as like me being offended as opposed to me trying to advocate for my students. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the interesting thing, trying to navigate that. It's like this isn't like about me. <laughs> yeah, that's great because you hear so often, especially in the media, about that parent backlash. So I'm happy to hear, like, at least not yet, that hasn't happened significantly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the more I figure out how to, like, navigate the policies and yeah. whatever and, like, the laws and put the pressure on in the right way mm -hmm. to, like, do more at the school level, I'm probably going to get backlash for stuff. But one of, like, one of my students or like her guardian wanted to follow me on Instagram to support my drag. Mm -hmm. Like one student who kept calling me faggot, like the parents came in and I'd been texting with the parents, like close, mm -hmm. like close communication with the family is super important when it's possible. And like she made the student stand up and apologize to me for calling me out of my name. 
I think that was the phrase they used, like, you called him out of his name, mm -hmm. like, his name's Mr. Rabbit, not this, and, the, you know, and the parent was advocating for me there to, like, that, we tell you, you don't call people out of their name. Mm -hmm. And so, so far, it's been, parents have been supportive when they've been confronted with it. That's great. So that's, yeah, that feels good. Because <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You never know. I kind of like that. I've never heard someone put it like, don't call someone something out of their name to just like eliminate any type of name calling, like just address someone by their name, I know, yeah. which then also I feel it like could be helpful for trans students as mm -hmm. well. If you're like, okay, this person's name is this, don't call them something outside mm -hmm. of their name either. Like that's kind of a nice, like succinct way of just putting it and just be like, this is the rule, like with everybody, you just call them their name and that's leave it at that. Yeah, it's and I've heard other students say it, so mm -hmm. I think it might just be like in the community I work in, like that's. Yeah. But I love that. Like I need to, like use that. Like, yeah, at I the like beginning that. of the year next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we don't call people out of their name, out of their name, and the each person decides their name. You know. Yeah. What kind of things are you thinking about going into the next year now that you have that first year under your belt and kind of know what that's like? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think a big thing is just like as a teacher, I need to teach structure and like how to be a student at the beginning of the year mm -hmm. um, and once I get those structures in place management wise then I can introduce like don't call someone out of their name type things and create like a list of like guidelines for a classroom or like like rules or mm -hmm. non-negotiables or whatever um, I think I'm gonna keep just have the flag up kids are gonna talk about it mm -hmm. like other teachers don't have the flag I'm trying to get them to put the flag in there but you know maybe I'll just buy it for them and they, they can't <laughs> say no. Everyone secretly has it under their door in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think just having the flag there is enough to like get it started and then yeah. like like this next year I'll similar way. But I'll have already have eighth, the eighth graders I had la, la, this past year. So mm -hmm. half the group already kind of understands mm -hmm. me and how I operate and then, you know, I'll just have the newer kids. So it'll be I think it'll be easier, but I'm sure have its own challenges that I'm not prepared for. <laughs> yeah, the beauty of teaching. <laughs> yeah, I think the more I plan for it, the the less prepared I'll be. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll just like overthink it. I'm just like, I need to just trust my instinct at this mm -hmm. point, I think. And like still have my LGBTQ support group or my club, whatever we call it. Because mm -hmm. that really, the kids who are involved in that group are, have been very proud because they felt hurt by people saying certain words or calling them like mm -hmm. lesbian as an insult or like, and so they're running around with the the, the rainbow tutu that I bought. Oh, you know, great. they're fighting to wear it. There's, you know, there's students who are allies trying to like hang out with the group. Mm -hmm. Like one kid, she <laughs> she wrote "I'm gay" repeatedly <laughs> on my backboard, and I just left it. And like <laughs> some kids were uncomfortable, and I'm like, there's no, I don't know why people aren't. You know, yeah. it's like it just. She literally wrote "I'm gay." I'm gay she, I think she was mad about something. I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. All over. It was beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Made me so happy. <laughs> Backfired. It was so good. Yeah. No, it was positive. White. Like she, she was oh, one of my she gay wrote students. It yeah, oh, she was one okay. of my gay students writing. I'm gay. I thought she was mad at you. Like but no, she was mad no. at another she was student. Just, I think she was like expressing herself. Oh, she was that's frustrated cute. with something. Yeah. You know, she used to just hide in my closet. Like I'm like you like, can't. Like literally. Yeah, literally hide in my closet. Oh. And I'd be like, honey, you can't deal like with this, this, in this way. Like, you need to move, like, continue yeah. with your life, and you need to be in my classroom and learn, do the work. Yeah, you can't hide away every time someone calls you a name. Like, how beautiful is know? that? Going from literally hiding in your closet to writing "I am gay" on the chalkboard. Yeah, like that's perfect. <laughs> that's a perfect cycle. I love. Yeah, that. it's great.
and so like they wrote LGBT, like the club wrote LGBTQ people deserve to be treated the same way as everyone else, or mm -hmm. you know something like that. And kids would literally write, "Take that down, take that down." But I was like, "No, like I'm ex I'm supporting everyone. Like, yeah. there's nothing to disagree with here." Yeah. And just like standing my ground and not not getting emotional about it, I think has been something to work on for next year. Being more objective mm -hmm. and bring in the subjectivity when it warrants it. Mm -hmm. I think well, because I think some people who feel a certain way about different groups of people, if you're emotional about it, they'll sh they'll shut down and not listen. Mm -hmm. But once you bring in facts and like are objective about it, that's when they start to listen. Yeah, that's great. That's a battle, and I got to teach math on top of it. Right, just to remind you, <laughs> we have to learn math. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Do you have other like teachers that do this? Do you think you're the only one who's like implementing these type of like? thoughts and ideas and like structure in your classroom? So I've definitely inspired other teachers. Mm -hmm. Like they, they're like, I want to do more, I want to do better. I'm trying to do this, this and that, which is good. And so it's like a process. Like I don't think, I think we'll get there. And I'm like impatient when it comes to progress sometimes. But one teacher tried to teach like, um, because of our new mayor, like tried to teach about, about LGBTQ history and stuff and kids like walked out of class. And so there are teachers doing the work and tr trying to do better, but like there's training we can bring in for that, like to like mm -hmm. help us do better. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I really want to do that more because I think there are some teachers who are like, not sure, you know what I mean? Not sure about certain issues, right. um, like the bathrooms, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. But like, that's a lot, honey. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Also you live in Illinois and we do have inclusive laws, so. That's a law, honey. Like, yeah. yeah. Get over it. Right? <laughs> You should just buy them all t-shirts that say that with a rainbow on it's it. It's a law, honey. I love it. That's, such a, that's a good marketing. That's so good. It's the law, honey. That's so good. With a rainbow and a trans flag. And, or just have all the flags on the back. That's good. Just, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> Give them that with their flag on the first day of school. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. We are at about time, and it went by so fast. It did. Um, it was so wonderful having you. Thank you. So had a good time. So great to hear about your teaching adventures. Yeah, it's guys. fun experiencing them. Shameless plug time. Go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I perform at, in Baby Wine at the Annoyance many times in the, a year. I'm going to try to do some more moth. I was in the Grand Slam recently. So I want to like win that next time. I know mm -hmm. what I need to change, so look out for that. Yeah, I'm trying to get out there and do some more comedy and storytelling again. I haven't done drag in a while. I'm going to do it again, so wait for that. What's your drag name again? Patty Rabs, or Patty Rabbit. Love it. Not so different. Right. Really easy for my students to find my drag account. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not, it did not make it hard. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you want people to follow you on anything? Yeah, Patty underscore Rabs is my Instagram, Very cool. and I'm not on Facebook, so that's that. That's Yay. it. My number? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> number, email. <laughs> what is your type? No. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. We're super excited thank to you, get to talk with you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C., and you can check out her music at bestedwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to you all, all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories.
He cried as they were serving the salads. I cried just before dessert. Did you catch that? That's right, y'all. This man, who we've only known existed for 30 seconds now, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first openly gay character. Congratulations, everyone. We did it. Representation accomplished. All thanks to nameless middle-aged white man. <laughs>